227,000 hours, 9,500 days, or 26 years. This is the amount of time, on average, we will spend asleep in our lifetime. Most of the time, it's super easy to forget the importance of sleep. It's one of those things that everyone does. Some people seem to either love it or hate it, and we definitely don't tend to think of sleep as a skill. But not all sleep is created equal. And sleep is another one of those master skills that if you improve it, will pay dividends across all other skills and aspects of life. If you can sleep well, you can live well. In today's episode of Skills to a Happy Life, hosted on the Shortcast with Ryan podcast, we are talking about sleep. We'll talk through what sleep is and why it's important, how to practice and improve your sleep, and give you some insights into my personal sleeping behaviors. But let's start off with defining and talking a little bit about what sleep is and why it's important. We all have a basic idea of sleep. You lay down, close your eyes, and your brain seems to shut down, except for the occasional dream, until you magically or abruptly are woken up by an alarm clock eight hours later. We know this as sleep. But there are still many mysteries as to what's exactly happening in the body and mind while we're sleeping, except for what we know that we need it. There have been studies showing that our bodies and brains may actually break down if we don't sleep for long enough periods of time, and that extreme sleep deprivation could actually lead to death. This is a curious phenomenon if we think about it through evolution. Since sleeping and going unconscious for eight hours at a time left our ancestors extremely vulnerable to predators and also incapacitated to catch prey. If we were sleeping, we weren't hunting, we weren't gathering, we were vulnerable to getting eaten. So it's kind of crazy how sleep evolved. Yet sleep seems to be essential. We can go deep into exactly what sleep is, but for today, I'll keep it relatively high level. Sleep is the state of the body and mind where the nervous system is relatively inactive, muscles are relaxed, and consciousness is practically suspended. We also know that sleep is broken into a few main cycles, mainly light sleep, REM sleep, and deep sleep. Scientists may break down these cycles further But for today's purposes, I'll stick to those three main cycles. Light sleep, as you might imagine, is the beginning and end stages of being asleep, either when you're falling asleep or waking up. In this stage, your brain starts to shift from a state of conscious awareness into unconsciousness, but you are in a fragile state of sleep and can be easily woken. Then we have REM sleep, known for its rapid eye movements behind your closed eyes, that is, and another brain state shift, which typically involves an increase in neural activity and is the stage where we usually experience dreams. Finally, we have deep sleep, where the brain signaling quiets down, muscles relax, your heartbeat slows, and you're sleeping at your deepest state. In this state, it's very hard to wake up, and if you do so, you'll feel groggy or disoriented. 
Our studies show that these three different stages of sleep correspond to different benefits and functions that sleep produce. We suspect that REM sleep is a stage in which neural pathways, neurons, and synapses are repaired. This results in improved memory function, ability to focus, and is essentially a cleaning cycle for your brain at night so you can use it in the morning. Deep sleep studies suggest our deep sleep does have additional brain repairing functions, but deep sleep is primarily where our nervous system and muscles begin most of their overnight repair work. Deep sleep and REM sleep work together to improve both the body and the mind. It's almost like your natural cleaning system that cleans and repairs your body and mind every single night while you sleep. We are still studying all the positive benefits of sleep, but are aware of plenty so far. The first benefit of sleep is enhanced memory and learning. I mentioned how your neurons and synapses are repaired while you sleep, and this reparation is correlated with enhanced brain function. This plays out in a handful of different ways. We see increased memory rates and learning from good sleep, and it's speculated that while you're sleeping, your brain is essentially storing the important lessons of the day while filtering out or cleaning out the less important information. Just like saving important files and emptying your recycling bin on your computer. Sleep enhances memory and learning, but it also enhances plain old cognition and focus. Studies show that increased sleep is correlated with better ability to focus, memorize, and solve problems, while less sleep is a cause of drowsiness, inability to focus, and a decrease in problem-solving ability. Good sleep is also positively correlated to less stress. We aren't certain whether good sleep reduces stress or if the benefits of sleep end up reducing stress, but either way, getting better sleep can help you handle stress and stress-related symptoms. Sleep also repairs your body. During deep sleep, we see increased levels of growth hormones, more production of cell proteins, and less cellular breakdown. This indicates at a cellular level that sleep is where our body goes into repair and build mode. Whether that's directly in muscles, bones, or other tissues, this deep sleep can help our body physically perform better. All of these benefits lead to one of my favorite outcomes of good sleep, which is increased energy. If your brain is clean and repairing itself, your body has rested and repaired itself, you are likely to experience more energy during the day. This increased energy is one of the best feelings in my opinion. Whether you're wanting to get more done, have more fun, or just feel better, having more energy is a surefire way to accomplish it all. And sleep is probably the single best area of focus for increasing your energy. So now that we know how important sleep is, how can we practice and improve it? Well, unfortunately, there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution for sleep. So to get great sleep, everybody is going to have different solutions. But what I'll do is share a lot of tricks of the trades that you can begin experimenting with to find your best reparative sleep. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, not all sleep is created equal. Most adults typically need somewhere between 7 and 9 hours of quality sleep to achieve their sleep needs, 
while some people may need as little as 5 or some as many as 10. You will have to experiment with what feels best for you, but most people can usually shoot for 8 hours of good sleep. Now, what comprises good sleep? Generally, it's around 8 hours of being asleep, but it's also achieving sleep time across the different important sleep cycles like REM and deep sleep. I'm going to talk through a bunch of different tools that can help you begin to fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, or increase your REM and deep sleep cycles. Some of this stuff is relatively common knowledge, while other tips are going to be more novel for you. But no matter what advice and tips you hear, just know you may have to mix and match these tips and tricks to find the best solution for your sleep. One thing that I'll mention before jumping in is that lots of these tips involve manipula manipulating or programming your circadian rhythm. Your circadian rhythm is essentially your body's biological clock that runs on a 24 to 25 hour cycle and is responsible for the regulation and release of hormones which cause you to feel rested, wakeful, drowsy, or energetic. This is your body's natural way to sync your natural rhythms with the world around you. Things like light exposure, exercise, meal eating, waking up, going to sleep, and socializing all can affect your circadian rhythm, so many of the tips today that I'll discuss will keep this in mind. All of these tips aren't in a particular order, so I'd recommend writing down a few that stand out to you that you would likely be able to experiment with and try them out in your own sleep practice. So jumping right in, I'll start with one of the most important things that I've added to my practice, and that is wearing a sleep tracker. We have a pretty decent understanding of how well we're sleeping when we wake up and feel great or wake up and feel tired. But if you wear a sleep tracker, you can start to actually collect data about your sleep and put metrics to how well you're sleeping. This is particularly important when tracking your REM and deep sleep cycles because most sleep trackers are going to be able to tell you when you're in either light sleep, REM sleep, or deep sleep. And the goal here is to increase those times in the REM and deep sleep cycles. So I'd recommend if you're looking to improve your sleep, try out some sort of tracker so you can start to understand if these different tips and experiments are working for you. I most often use a Whoop band, but there's Whoop bands, Aura rings, Fitbits, Apple watches, and a lot of other sleep trackers that you can look into, but it's a decent place to start and super fun if you love data. Another category is really important for me, and that is temperature control. Studies have shown that most people tend to get better sleep when the temperature they're sleeping in is cooler. Now, for me, there's a lot of different ways that you can adjust the temperature of your room, and some people will like it warm, some people will like it cold. I myself love it cold. There's a few ways to adjust the temperature that you can play with, such as fans or bed spreads, different types of sheets and blankets, you know, turning your AC down, Lots of the standard things that you would think of, but playing around with the temperature of your room and the temperature of your bed can be a great place to start. Another little hack is taking a hot shower or bath right before you go to bed. What this does is increase your body's temperature 
while you're in the shower or bath. And then if you get out, your body will cool off very quickly and that rapid decrease of body temperature causes drowsiness, which is exactly what happens in hypothermic situations. Another important thing to control is light. We all know that having a dark room is really important when you sleep and any extra lights will make it harder for you to fall into deeper sleep. So try things like blackout curtains, putting tape over electronics in your room and minimizing the light amount of light that's coming in while you're sleeping. I'm kind of crazy in that I have duct tape to go over all the little TV lights and other lights that are around my room so that it's nice and dark, but I also have a sleep mask that I make sure to bring me if I'm traveling. Another important aspect of sleep control is noise control. Having a quiet room is really beneficial for sleep. Alternatively, I have found that I actually like a lot of white noise. So fans or a cooler or something that's making noise actually seems beneficial for me, but it's important to either have quiet or control the noise environment that's conducive for your own sleep. The next category we'll get into is bedtime habits. And this is going to be the biggest area for experimenting. One of the things that you can think about and control is your phone or screen time. As a general rule, most people recommend that try to avoid looking at screens for the 30 minutes or an hour before bed, as these do a few things. One, it gives off blue light, which kind of plays on your circadian rhythm and might indicate to your brain that it's actually daytime. So avoiding this light is really beneficial. But also something we don't think about is the stimulation your phone or TV or video games can cause. And that excess stimulation can give you either adrenaline or dopamine responses that will help keep you awake. So avoiding screens before bed is important. Some things you can try to help minimize this, even if you do want to look at your screens, are things like blue light glasses or blue light blocking glasses in the evening. You can try uh, apps on your computer such as f.lux which kind of removes or reduces the blue light on the screen or opt for doing something like reading instead which often will cause you to feel more tired than if you're looking at a screen. Another important thing to do is control the lighting before you go to bed. So there's a few things you can do to set your uh, circadian rhythm and one of those things is actually when you wake up. So waking up and viewing natural light is kind of like starting your circadian rhythm each morning and getting up and viewing light in the morning actually can lead to you being tired around the right time when you're ready to go to bed. You can also view the setting sun in the evening, which is also a really strong signal to your brain and circadian rhythm that it's about time to release melatonin and start feeling tired. If you live in a particularly cloudy area, you can try blue lights in the mornings or overhead lights that'll make you feel a little more awake. But in the evening, it's important to turn overhead lighting and bright lighting off. In the evening, we want soft, warm lighting, try to avoid blue and white lights, and try to avoid overhead lights. So having lights kind of around eye level or lower will help give off that signal of being tired. If you can, keeping things dim in the evening as well can help you transition into a sleeping state. 
Another large category is going to be eating and drinking. I think we know this, but avoid things like sugar before bed, avoid things like carbs before bed, or just big meals before bed. Your digestive system will be going while you're trying to sleep, and this can keep you awake as your body's processing this food and energy, which can be counterproductive to falling asleep. Water is good before bed, but if you drink too much, you'll have to get up and pee and things like that, which can also disrupt your sleep, so be careful about drinking too much water. Lastly, there is a flip side to eating and drinking, and that is eating when you wake up. Eating when you wake up, just like viewing natural light, is another way to start up your circadian rhythm and make sure it is on time with when you're waking and sleeping. Some other common tips are things like having a routine. If you have a routine that you do every single night that gets you ready for bed, this is going to become habitual and your body will start to understand that this routine means it's time to sleep. Doing things like keeping your bed for sleeping only can help make sure that when you crawl into bed, you're very strongly associating your bed with sleep so we'll feel sleepy but the same can be done with any sort of nightly routine. Building a habit, building a sleep schedule, and sticking to that sleep schedule is one of the strongest ways to improve your sleep. Going to bed nearly the same time every single day and waking up nearly the same time every single day is one of the single biggest things you can do to improve the quality of your sleep. Another thing you can experiment with is exercise. Most people will experience having done hard exercise in a day and then sleeping like a baby. Getting exercise during the day can definitely help you sleep better. But one thing you'll need to keep in mind is some people need to exercise at specific times. If you exercise in the evening, you might actually have a harder time going to sleep. So find the exercise routine that works with your circadian rhythm and sleep schedule. The next category I'll talk to is one that lots of people tend to overvalue, and that is things like supplements and stimulants. I'll start with caffeine. We all know that caffeine will keep us awake, but lots of us don't realize how long caffeine's in our system. It actually takes 12 hours to digest caffeine, so if you're having sodas or coffees in the afternoon, you might be surprised by how much caffeine is still left in your system by the time you're going to sleep. If you're having trouble sleeping and you drink more than a cup of coffee a day, you could try experimenting with less and you might be surprised how well it would work. Nicotine is also a substance that has been shown to harm sleep. And another one that lots of people may or may not know about is alcohol. Alcohol is actually a huge sleep disruptor. Lots of people might think that alcohol actually helps you sleep, but it is true that it'll maybe make you fall asleep faster, but it is extremely detrimental to your REM and deep sleep cycles. The digestion, digestion or perhaps lack of digestion of alcohol means that your body's going to emit hormones after your alcohol is being digested into the middle of the night. It interrupts your REM and deep sleep cycles, increases your body temperature, and even one or two drinks of alcohol can really decrease the amount of sleep you're getting and the amount of REM and deep sleep you're getting. So let's talk about the flip side. So lots of people take supplements like melatonin to help them sleep. Well, melatonin is a tricky one. Generally, it's sleep 
and you could probably take it most nights. But taking melatonin, you're typically taking a superhuman level of melatonin, and it generally can impair your body's ability to produce melatonin naturally and has side effects such as next day drowsiness or even hair loss. Most scientists who are into the field of sleep generally recommend avoiding melatonin if you can, because if you're having a proper sleep cycle, your body is going to produce more than enough melatonin for you to get sleepy and have a good night's sleep. Sleepy time tea or other non-caffeinated teas can be a good thing to try out in your sleep routine if it relaxes for you and if it seems to work for you, then it's something that you might try. I myself take a cocktail of supplements when I know I need good sleep. I picked these up from Andrew Huberman and the Huberman Lab podcast, so if you want to learn more, go check out that podcast. But I personally take magnesium 3 and 8, L-theanine, and apigenin. And you can learn more about what these do and how they could help sleep on that podcast. But those are the ones I will take if I need a really good night of sleep. In which case, you know, I only take that about every, you know, two to three weeks or so. Another thing you can consider is napping. I myself love naps, but studies show that naps typically have a negative impact on sleep. During the day, you're building up a sleep hormone, which causes sleep pressure, and this is reduced by nappings. But nappings can also have reparative effects on your brain, just like sleeping overnight. So if you've learned a really hard lesson or done a lot of thinking, you might find that napping can actually help that material submit into your brain so you can remember it. But in general, a good rule of thumb is keep naps short, so 30 minutes or less, and have them earlier in the day if you need them. My go-to rule is no napping after five. Okay, so I just gave you so many different things that you can think about and experiment with to start improving your sleep. But I'll also just give you a little window into my own sleep behaviors, or perhaps lack thereof. Would it be beneficial if I went down this list and did everything on every single night? Absolutely. Am I a normal person who is kind of lazy and has some poor patterns of behavior that prevents me from optimizing my sleep? Absolutely. So let me tell you what most of my nights look like and how I balance knowing all the things that I should be doing and motivating myself for doing them or not. So it kind of starts two years ago. Well, it starts a long time ago, but two years ago is where I really started to focus on sleep. I used to have horrible sleep. It would take me upwards of an hour to fall asleep every single night. I would commonly toss and turn throughout the night and would find myself not having tons of energy throughout the day. In general, poor sleep. One of the reasons I discovered for this poor sleep was how hot I was constantly. I was chronically hot while sleeping. I tried a bunch of different sleep tricks and some of them did help on specific nights, but I really couldn't stick to them because of how hot I was. I finally began my bed upgrading journey, which has drastically improved my sleep. I got a new Layla mattress online for about $1,000, which I find very comfortable and also has cooling effects. I got Layla cooling bamboo sheets and a purple cooling pillow, a cooling pillowcase, 
a cooling duvet color, and a cooling duvet insert. After getting all of these bed accessories one by one, I noticed my sleep beginning to improve, but there still was a ways to go. The combination of these cooling bed accessories and some of these other habits I mentioned above really did help me start to improve my sleep and feel a lot better. I experimented with reading before bed, which helped me a ton, several different supplements, sleepy time teas, and no screens, which all would work when I used those tactics. But the nail in my sleep coffin was the Uller that I ordered. The Uller is a mattress pad that's water-cooled or heated, so it can go as low as 55 degrees or as high as 110 degrees. So now, with all of my cooling sheets, blankets, a mattress topper that's set to 60 degrees or less every night, my sleep has finally gotten it to where I want it. And now it doesn't take all of these habits in order to sleep the way I want. I found that having a cold bed and a cold room and all this cold stuff was really the one single most important thing that I needed to do to improve my sleep. But those all other habits are also in my back pocket when I need them. Luckily, the cooling chains were the biggest steps in improving my sleep. So these days I have a relatively lackluster sleep routine each night, which basically just involves me getting into a really cold bed and watching YouTube on my phone for 15 minutes or so before I'm too tired to keep my eyes open. Then I fall asleep and wake up rested in the morning. But I will say there are definitely times I pull out all the stops and go through my optimum routine if I need to perform the next day. My optimum sleep routine involves wearing blue light glasses after 7 p.m. if I have to look at any screens. It involves me making sleepy time tea and taking my supplements, setting my alarm and putting my phone up and across the room about 30 minutes before bed. Then I take a really hot shower right before I get into bed, keep my overhead lights off, and finally get into bed and read for just a few minutes to wind my braid down before falling asleep. If I go through these steps, I usually put myself right to sleep and have an incredible night of sleep that I can wake up from and feel optimized for performing the next day. Should I do this every night? Probably. Am I lazy and just want to watch YouTube in bed? You betcha. So like everything, find a balance that works for you and experiment with what will optimize your sleep so you can perform when you need to. But thank you for listening to this episode. If you like this episode, please consider giving it a rating wherever you listen to podcasts so that others can find the show. If you want more content, visit realwithryan.com where you can find more podcasts, videos, and other forms of content. But for now, go through this list of tactics for improving your sleep. Start with some of the little improvements, little tweaks, and begin experimenting on your own sleep so that you can finally sleep better, repair your brain, your body, feel more energized, and learn yet another skill to a happy life.